0: The no not make show Flash moments for class solidarity. Cash circulating, give the masses back its currency. Greed from a leech, oligarchs stay fed. Deep state, faith fed. Everybody break bread. Racism, homophobia, sexism, religion and this melted pot. We live in time to build a new system. Unionize, labor rights. Highlight the issue. Talking heads left his
1: best. The saga continues. Continues. The No Miki Show.
0: Welcome to the Nomi Key Show. I am Nomi Key Const. We are doing a different kind of show today. This is gonna be fun. So to start off uh, on this Fem Friday, uh, I am calling this early happy hour. (laughs) Uh, This lady got up at five o'clock in the morning uh, and I think we've earned it after uh, this week. It's been a lot of news. So anyways, what we're gonna do today is for the first half of the show, I am gonna be taking your questions if you are watching this live or listening to this live. So if you're on YouTube, jump in the chat, you know, ask some questions. Super chats are always appreciated. I gotta throw that out there. Very, very much appreciated. And then if you're on Twitch, you can do the same thing. So, um, you know, Dorsey, who is our great producer, is going to be managing this all. Be be as patient as you can with him. He is uh, doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes that I don't understand. I just look at the screen and talk to you guys and have opinions. Uh, But he is is the master. So I will be taking your questions. Maybe not all of them because there's a lot of trolls out there. So be really patient with Dorsey and, of course, our moderators. But with that, I have some thoughts on the uh, mayoral race in New York. You guys have been asking for it. I told you, hang on, hang on, hang on. I gotta gather my thoughts, see how things play out. So we're gonna be doing some specials on the New York City mayoral race. Uh, I know not everybody lives in New York, but New York is a great example of, of how progressive politics has pushed through machine politics. There's a dying machine there. And uh, there've been some democracy reforms in the last couple of years that have changed the dynamics, uh, which I will go into more depth, but it is, it is early happy hour here. So I decided to open up a bottle of Albariño. It's called Marietta Albariño. And this is a thing (laughs) that's gonna happen right now. (laughs) So cheers, everybody. I hope you can have a happy hour wherever you are. It's probably a lot earlier in other places. (laughs) Um, So live from Puerto Rico, where I am, uh, this is the Nomi Key Show. All right, let's get to it. The winner of last night's mayoral debate, which happened, Uh, in New York City virtually. I don't understand why they had to do on Zoom at this point. I I believe everybody was vaccinated. Uh, Of course, the CDC came out with new rules yesterday that if you are fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask anymore inside or outside. So I'm not really sure why it was on Zoom. It's very difficult to manage a debate in general. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on that, but it is also very difficult to watch a debate and be in a debate when you're on Zoom. We do it every day. And it's hard, let me tell you, especially when these people don't have, um, these candidates do not have professional setup. So the winner of last night's New York City mayoral debate, uh, Dorsey, I hope you're happy with this one, <laughs> is Catherine Garcia. Did you expect that one? No, no, not at all. Now the winner, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a mixed phrase, given the sorry gang that Catherine Garcia was up against. Andrew Yang took his courageous stand against composting sean donovan said his daddy's campaign spending shouldn't be an issue his dad's funding a super pack for him and the moderator oh my favorite moderator of all time Errol lewis who is so esteemed in the press who once courageously threatened to cut off my micro My microphone on stage, because he thought I was interrupting more than everybody else, but it turns out that when we actually counted the numbers, I, uh, on a stage of seven people, I interrupted uh, the fifth, the fifth most uh, on stage, meaning five other men had interrupted more before me. Uh, And then when I went to go complain afterwards, after the debate, he told me to F off. Yes, that is what the courageous Errol Lewis said. But, uh, you know, my favorite moderator, Errol Lewis. Well, he ruled that anyone who had kicked in even a dollar to the Georgia races could claim credit for the Democrats taking control of the Senate, thus letting Andrew Yang put himself on the same level as Stacey Abrams and the community organizers who had been working on the ground in Georgia for years. All in all, this was a dispiriting presentation just when the city needs leadership, leadership. Okay. And that is where Catherine Garcia broke through. Now, let me be extremely clear. This is not my endorsement. I have to say this over and over. This is my assessment of the debate, how well the candidates did in the debate. This is not my endorsement, not my endorsement of a platform, ideas of the candidate. But Catherine Garcia skillfully reinforced her message that she, as she says it, is the city's crisis manager. Congratulations. Finally, someone recognizes the crisis. Not <laughs> calling in a crisis alone took this long to get to. Catherine Garcia projected the steady hand and the experience that has to be a piece of the next mayor's skill set. In fact, her message oddly reminds me of a very different candidate, Ed Koch, who was a little known congressman, <laughs> who was elected mayor in 1977 on the slogan of, after eight years of charisma and four years of the clubhouse, why not try competence? Pretty pretty clever, right? That was his way, Koch's way of saying that the city was looking for change from the years of John Lindsay and Abe Beam. And of course, a revival from the disastrous city, fiscal crisis of the 1970s, you may remember Ford New York City drop dead. Virtually all of this year's mayoral candidates are running against Mayor Bill de Blasio. Even the ones like Garcia and Wiley, Catherine Garcia and Maya Wiley, who actually worked for Mayor de Blasio. Now, de Blasio had the right progressive ideas. He did. and But unfortunately, his ineffective management left us no better off than when he sadly, than when he took office. There were a few pieces of legislation that moved through, but the reality is, is that income inequality has grown, has been exacerbated uh, in a city that is supposed to have all these progressive leaders. And part of that is also because of his fights with Cuomo, being baited by Cuomo and being beholden, can't leave this part out, to real estate and distracted by, oh, so much real estate and the NYPD. Let's not you know forget that one. So just as the 1975 fiscal crisis hung over the 1977 mayor's race, I know many of you remember that, the pandemic and the economic crash hang over this one. And Catherine Garcia's message is, I got this, a message that New Yorkers are craving to hear. It's probably why the New York Times actually endorsed her in a surprise endorsement. People did not expect that. She has done a good job of saying she knows how to do things or she puts it, no one will have to show her how to turn the lights on at City Hall. So getting this done is important. Getting the right things done is, of course, the essential other half of the conversation. Garcia won the debate not because she had the boldest progressive ideas. She doesn't. Let me be very, very, very clear about that. She is not the progressive in this race. But because she has done the best job as a candidate, including last night, of sticking to her clear message that she will be an effective mayor. In other words, she is asking voters, why not try competence? Now, of course, winning a debate is very, very, very different from winning this election. I won both of my debates. That's what city and state said. And I barely, yeah, well, that's another story. But it's important. You got to win the election. And that is a very complicated thing to do when you have ranked choice voting for the first time in the city, when uh, the city Pretty much has low turnout every election. And when there's uh, a a crowded field with a lot of dynamics playing out and a lot of machinations behind the scenes. Now, she does have a shot because the New York Times did endorse her. And people do take that seriously in New York, especially in a low turnout election. But my view is that Eric Adams, who's the Brooklyn borough president, is the true front runner. And he will likely be the next mayor. That was my prediction eight months ago, six months ago, five months ago. Now people are starting to take it seriously. I'm just going to throw that out there. I got the receipts. But we could certainly do worse, all right? We could absolutely do worse than than Eric Adams with Andrew Yang, but we should do better. Andrew, or excuse me, Adams has a lot of political and government experience that Andrew Yang, who's in in second right now, can't even pretend to do. (laughs) He should be pretending, (laughs) in other words, as a candidate, but he's not even pretending. And he's touting, Adams is touting his experience as a kid being beaten up by a cop and then becoming a cop to reform the police department. How'd that work out, Mr. Brooklyn Borough President? Which is why I actually really appreciated the way Maya Wiley pointed out that we need to get past the, quote, false choice between curbing crime and curbing police violence. Now, Eric Adams has made a lot of political enemies, but that is at least in part because he follows his own views and has his own little Eric Adams machine, political machine. The trick, if he wins, is that he will have to get a lot of people who don't really like him that much to work with him and with each other, something de Blasio did not do. What saddens me about this whole situation is that, yes, we could do worse than Eric Adams, but we could have done so much better too. We deserved, a progressive champion who not only has the ideas that will get the city out of this hole, but the ability to manage and implement these ideas, the ones that we've been organizing around, the ones that are finally gaining momentum, the ones that make sense when people are in an economic crisis and a health crisis, but our political progressive machines put their coalitions and their energy into Scott Stringer, who is an experienced politician, who does take money from the places that we are fighting, who has his own problems. So we need to build our bench. We need to be stronger about this. We need to have progressives who have experience for these moments, because it is important to know how to manage the largest city in the country as it's, as we're all sinking in. To It's like the island is sinking into the ocean right now. And the people who are going to survive are the people at the top of those very, very, very tall glass towers. So hopefully this is a learning lesson for the movement. Um, once again, I am, I'm disappointed by uh, the field. I am disappointed by who's winning in the polls. I'm disappointed by who's frankly winning in the debates. We can, we should do better. There are a lot of great ideas in this race. There are some shining stars as well. Doesn't mean I don't like them. I know people are going to get in my comments and say this and ask questions, but please do jump in the comments. <laughs> Doesn't mean that I don't like some of these candidates or I don't think that they have great proposals. What I'm concerned about is the city is was already in a crisis before and we're letting political machines make money off of this race because there's a lot of matching funds in, involved in it and pushing candidates out there to boost other candidates or to take on other candidates. This is how machine politics works. And New York may no longer have Tammany Hall, may have a dead Republican party, but the machine operations still exist. All right, so we have a great show today. We have Esperanza Fonseca and we have Piper Winkler here for the second half of the show. We're gonna talk about Palestine and some of the news of the day. But what we're gonna do right now is take a sip of your drink and we're gonna do some Q and A's. Dorsey, do I have any questions? All right, here we go. Hector Hernandez says, "Could Yang's lead in New York City be the hope that they will start a UBI there?" Uh, he's not leading in, in New York anymore. Uh, he is now in second place, but you know, there's still a lot of uh, undecided votes. Uh, I don't know if it's about UBI as much as it is uh, name recognition. And will we start a UBI here? You know, that still has to go through City Council. Uh, our City Council is. Uh, nothing to write home about uh, <laughs> uh, I, I I don't know I, I think I, I I really I think that the city um, has a little bit of a fiscal crisis and my guess is that the city council probably won't pri- prioritize ubi um, and then much of our budget is not all of it but much of the de- budget is determined uh, by what the governor says and so I think you'll see a lot of changes happen when the governor is no longer the governor and um, and you know, in the next couple of years, I mean, a lot of changes, the whole city will look different and sound different because the economic crisis, the income inequality is so stark. Uh, the tax breaks that are going to real estate developers are just gonna have to, I mean, they're, they're, they're gonna have to stop this. Uh, we have a housing crisis. We have a housing shortage. NYCHA is an absolute disarray. That's the public housing in New York. Um, you have a subway system that's barely functional. And so can you imagine being a working person I feel like I'm doing my stump speech now. Can you imagine being a working person in New York? If you don't live there, um, let me describe this. So, say you live in Queens, where I live. Say you're uh, a mother. Say, say you're an immigrant. Let's 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 even get like more detailed and specific. Say you're in the belt of Queens to Brooklyn, where when COVID first hit, you saw the cases rise to a higher level, right? Say you live there. Say you're a, um, you know, you're an immigrant mother, and you have to take the subway to work every day in the city, in New York City from Queens. Uh, and and you're near one line like I am, and that line does not work that day. Or in the case that I was dealing with for like a year, they shut down the line for an entire year. An entire year, and you have to go to a different stop. So then the subway doesn't show up, it's 45 minutes late, or it just doesn't show up. What what do you do? How do you get to work? You gonna take an Uber? that's going to cost you 40, 50, 60, 70 bucks sometimes. Okay. And, 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 even if you do that, you're stuck in traffic. You still show up late to work. And then what happens after the third time? Do you, do you, do you keep your job? Does your boss get upset? Do they reprimand you? Now imagine, add to that, you have to go pick up your kids. Do you have childcare? You know, they have to come home from school. You leave them alone. What if they're very young? I mean, what if you have to... What if your, your kids are in childcare? What if they're with your family members? What if they're with your friends? And you're late. What if you're actually paying for childcare? You, you, you have to pay more? Every single step of the way in New York, because our city is not functional right now, because our government programs are, 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 are being starved, because of the austerity in the city, because we don't want to tax the right people, because of all of that, and at the same time, the developers are building these high-rises and changing the shapes and smells and sounds of the neighborhood, meaning literally, you know, you could live in a neighborhood where uh, there are no small businesses anymore because these high-rises come in and the, and the rents go up as a result for, small, for, for businesses as well. And so you get Chase Banks. It's, it's like a running joke, Dwayne Reed's and Chase Banks. Dwayne Reed is like a Walgreens for those of you guys who don't know. Um, so every step of the way, if you're a working person, you are being punished in New York City. Every step of the way, you know, there's so many other aspects of this that I could get into. Uh, if you've ever been in New York and you do go to a Duane Reed or a Walgreens, isn't it interesting how everything's a little bit more, more expensive there? Why is your coffee six bucks? Some of it has to do with the rent, some of it has to do with the way that uh, uh, we, we receive our goods. Um, so, you know, when the mayors were asked by the New York Times, what is the average cost of a home in Brooklyn? I initially was was shocked that they even asked that because uh, <laughs> because most New Yorkers rent. Uh, buying a home in Brooklyn or anywhere in New York is like so off the table for me and the people that I know, um, and I do think I have more privilege probably than most people. But I remember in my race when I ran for public advocate, they asked us uh, one of the forums number one, how many of you are renters? I was the only one on that that at that forum. And how many of you own a car? And I only think that there were two of us that did not own cars. That is not the average New Yorker's experience. So when the mayors were asked how much the average home is and they came in with these these numbers that were all over the place, Ray McGuire, who's the former executive at Citibank, <laughs> who great job with the housing crisis there, buddy. Um, Ray McGuire Mag- thought it was like around $90,000 to buy buy a home in Brooklyn. What? <laughs> like what? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I think we have a field of sociopaths. There's too many people in this race who are just delusional about their place in the universe and their connection to the city and their solutions and their ability to manage it. When you don't know what the cost of a home is or you're not even like within the range, I mean, this is the stuff that you have to, you have to work, you have to research this stuff. Completely out of touch, and then the way that the press handles—I'd love to see the New York Press handle these guys the way that they handle the socialists. That's what I would love to see. I didn't hear Earl Lewis threaten to cut off uh, Ray McGuire's microphone at any point yesterday, or anybody else on the stage. We have a real problem in the city. The press is 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 chasing gossip and not getting to the root of the issues that most New Yorkers are facing, and the candidates and the machines are in an ecosystem of self-dealing, and as a result, we have a crisis in leadership at a time when the city is tanking. And New York is is really an icon for the rest of the country because austerity is happening in every neighborhood. It's not just New York. All right, do we have any other questions? George, you can just dump them all in at once, and I'm just gonna go back and forth. Matt B, in Bend, Oregon yesterday, anti-maskers were going into grocery and retail stores and large um, groups maskless. And some were open caring, shaking my head. Yeah. So I don't like this CDC decision, as I'm sure you um, saw when when Jen Psaki, she, I'm very confused by it because so much of science is, is what is, 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 is public policy too. You know, urging people to wear masks on the streets, even though they knew very well that, that it is the chances of, of, uh, of of receiving COVID, catching COVID, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, This is what happens in Q and A's, are much, much lower outside, right? For so many different factors. Vox did this really great um, video like a year ago on this and why like the molecules are crushed with wind and precipitation and just a bunch of other stuff. And so that's why, uh, you you weren't able to contract COVID. Um, The chances are much less outside, but they still urge people to wear masks because it's a psychological thing right? And you have these deniers already. So they're going into, into Bend, Oregon, the anti-maskers. And of course, they're probably, you know, there's an overlap between the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, and they've been waiting it out. And it's like now they are being rewarded for their behavior where, because, because, because the, the, the science is in now saying that, you know, what are they going to do? When they walk up to people and ask them, you know, let me see your vaccine card. That's a lot. Then you're going to get all the, uh, the privacy people involved. It's just, I just think it was a strange decision. And, you know, I would, I am fully vaccinated. I would happily wear my mask. I'll continue wearing my mask. And at least Andrew Cuomo got that right. He told people they have to still wear their masks, um, because, you know, you have to teach people to be responsible. And, you know, there is a point where, uh, at least maybe getting on airplanes, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's probably company by company. All right, Mario Quaid says, could a green, social Dumb liberals coalition in Germany be a wake-up call for the rest? Of the EU, or just a signal that the current status quo will remain unchallenged? Um, I know what you're referring to. So in Germany, there's this there's this coalition, uh, and it started a couple of years ago, and they did very well, and the Green Party did very well in the um, the EU elections there. I don't know. I actually don't know enough about German politics. That's an a run thing. I should have had. We started to talk about it yesterday. A run uh, who go check out his show on Mondays right here on this channel. Uh, it is it is called the Committee Show Committee Program. And they talk about uh, European politics all the time. It's a great show, three hours long, fantastic. Uh, he also gives campaign advice, but I actually don't know enough about the, the intricacies of the, G- the German uh, political world. Um, so, but I don't know if it's if it's a signal for the wake up call for the rest of the EU. I, I really don't know. I have no idea. Um, I'm paying more attention to the southern countries in Europe and the disaster that's affecting the left right now in Europe and the rise of fascism. Uh, any other questions, Dorsey? Oh, scroll up. What did I miss? Oh, sorry, okay. Uh, Riley Cool, really cool. Why don't you talk about Diane Morales? I like Diane Morales. That's not that's not the point I'm trying to make. I like her a lot and I think she's progressive and I think people on her team are fantastic. And I think she has the best policies. Um, I think that we need management. I mean, like, I'm not trying to be harsh, but you know, this is the mayor's office. I mean, the, 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 New York is a very complicated city, and that's why I'm so frustrated about this field. Is that you? You really don't have anybody who has government experience, with the, with the exception to like four people in the race. And I mean, I think she's I think she's great. I was really like blown away by her. There, when I was sitting in with the New York Times um, editorial meeting when I was running. They wanted to get me. Um, they were asking me some like very detailed questions about how the, the MTA board works. But because I am because I was expecting that frankly and I had really good advisors around um, who prepped me, uh, I came prepared. But I knew that they weren't asking that question of, of the city council members I was running against. Um, they wanted to get me and show that you know, because I didn't have government experience, and this was, by the way, it's not a management job, a public advocate is a very different situation, uh, a different office. Because of that, they wanted to like show that I didn't, I couldn't manage, I couldn't, I, I wasn't ready for citywide office, but you know, I came in with the numbers and you know, it was a really interesting, uh, <laughs> New York Times process was very interesting, but there is some rationale to that. Like if you're running for mayor, and I'm not saying that everybody who has experience is right. I'm saying that when you're inheriting the crisis that we are right now, having the relationships in city council to move legislation, having knowing how the city's budget works, I mean, listening to Andrew Yang answer questions that he should know is, is reveals why it's important to have somebody who understands the intricacies, who knows how the levers of power, the levers of moving legislation, the levers of, of, of the city work. It's important when we're spiraling out of control. Her platform is great. Um, I don't disagree with her platform. In fact, I think that she is pushing other people to inherit that as well. I just wish we had best of both worlds, Diane Morales' platform and uh, Scott Stringer's experience. But I don't think either one, I don't know. I don't know who I'm voting for, guys, if you're asking. That's not what's happening. Ekutan, thank you. Ecatan one, all right. What other questions do we have here? Looking forward to your PR. Uh, Rayleigh says, looking forward to your Puerto Rico documentary. How much will cryptocurrency play a part of the story you will tell? Ah. <laughs> um, it does play a part. It's 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 very interesting. Uh, so we have been filming here. Uh, a little backstory here. Um, three after the storm, I came. Many of you probably remember if you if you used to watch me on TYT, and uh, took a little bit of a break, and then. Uh, gathered, you know, organized a bunch of folks and have some amazing advisors and producers on this, on this documentary. Uh, and we just started filming. And this is, I don't think we're anywhere near <laughs> done yet in terms of filming. I think there's a lot more to go. Um, and then we have to edit. So, how much will cryptocurrency play a role in the entire documentary? I don't know. I don't know in terms of how much time, but I will give you a little backstory on on my my cryptocurrency experience. And for those of you who don't know, um, I, I assume most don't. Uh, there is a cryptocurrency community here that has taken advantage of uh, the tax breaks and and other things. Uh, I think you know some it d- depends on who which crypto person you're talking to, obviously. And there's different communities in the crypto world, but uh, some of them have, you know, really strong positions on race and class. Uh, some just are want tax breaks and want to make money. Some even identify a little bit uh, progressive on a lot of issues, but you know, kind of like the Burning Man crowd, if you, if you know what I'm saying. Um, a lot of libertarianism. Uh, but I ended up covering the crypto world we followed them around, uh, we followed Brock Pierce's community, if you guys know, he ran for president also, Uh, we followed Brock Pierce's community a couple years ago and interviewed him and his wife and other crypto leaders, um, evangelists, I guess you could say, and Brock Pierce has been a major evangelist in recruiting people to come here and there's a set of tax tax breaks called Act 2022, um, which If you live on the island for a certain amount of time uh you don't pay capital gains and and that's why you see a lot of instagram celebrities and youtube celebrities now moving to puerto rico and this is also happening at a time when when locals don't have those tax breaks when um all when when the money that is (laughs) when when locals pay money there's a fiscal control board right so there's there's still island debt so having these tax breaks at a time when Puerto Ricans have to pay hedge funds off before they repair their roads, before they, to keep open schools because hundreds of public schools have closed. Um, you know, as, as the University of Puerto Rico has had major budget cuts, uh, I, I, the, the list goes on. As as the power grid is being privatized or, or you are you know, trying to, to, to carry it out. Uh, you know, this is, there's major austerity here and what money is produced is going to hedge funds and then at the same time you have all these like wealthy people coming here for tax breaks and not contributing to taxes. So you know there have been some folks who have urged, like I interviewed a former governor yesterday, uh, Sila Calderon, and you know she mentioned that there should be tax breaks for locals, there should be an Act 2022 for locals. Uh, and for people in the diaspora to come back because so many people have fled after Maria before um, for opportunities, to be with family, for health, et cetera. And, uh, and, and, and she thinks that to bring the diaspora back, back home to vote, uh, to get involved is uh, there should be tax breaks for locals. Okay, uh, what else? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Javier Tapia, why is Epic Times putting ads on leftist programs? I think that there's a lot of um, right wing, uh, you know, there's there's like an agenda on the right or libertarian right um, to win over left minds and find some sort of uh, meeting point, some issue that they can kind of like hook them in on. Uh, the Epic Times ones are so interesting, man. That's like. They do these like investigative pieces. Have you seen these ads? Or it's just, it's like 20 minutes of an investigation. This is the story you have not heard about. And oh my God, and here's a wall of all these little clips and articles and look at the, 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 the lines going along, and the connections and the con- And you're like, wait, what am I even watching? What is the investigation? This is how the Biden administration is, you know, uh, find a word, <laughs> like making money off of a yoga mat in Zimbabwe. You're like, what? Where is this coming from? I don't know. Uh, Kyler Asato says, "How do we get the mayoral candidates to do something productive and good? Is it just is is this just a sea change for the governor's race?" Great question. Uh, I don't know what I mean. The mayoral candidates to do something productive and good. I mean, they uh, there's there's how many weeks left? Five weeks left. June twenty second is is the election. Um, I just wish. There had been a better candidate that stepped up. I don't know who that would have been, honestly. Um, and that's where I think we as progress. I, I think that we have a lot of people who are being that on the bench right now that are gaining experience, getting into office, and are going to be amazing in higher office. Uh, I mean, and maybe there could have been a city council member that could have run for mayor. That would have. I, it's just such a disappointment. I don't know. Uh, and is it a sea change for the governor's race? I'm not sure if I understand that fully. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Kowalski, have you thought of taking live calls? I feel like you destroying trolls would bring more attention to the show like Sam destroying libertarians. It's not really my jam. I used to take live calls when I was at SiriusXM. Um, I also think it's a little bit more complicated than people think, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a great live call person. I, yeah, I like to be very focused and I like to have the show structured if you guys have noticed. Um, But this is fun. What has to be done to get the US to stop supporting Israel? (laughs) Great question, (laughs) great question. I think there's political pressure. Um, You know, it's amazing, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar being in Congress alone is a sea change. Uh, I think that the needle has moved quite a bit. And some of this is generational, Uh, Some of this is is generational in that the elders of the Democratic Party, because it's really about the Democratic Party, right? The Democratic Party is what needs to be uh, a little bit clearer on on where they stand. Um, I say that because, like, they've been beholden to APAC for so long. And I think that the elders of the Democratic Party, as they shift out of power, and Sam said this the other day on Majority Report, uh, simultaneously you have a, like, a growing In New York alone, actually, like there's a growing Arabic, Arab community. Excuse me, Arab community uh, in New York, and it's it's a voting block now. And it wasn't in a way, you know, New York, you you couldn't touch Israel like five years ago. You just couldn't. I'm not saying I couldn't. I'm saying like many lawmakers couldn't. And now there are more and more lawmakers coming out that you're just like, oh, how like, you know, Mark Polkan stating his his admiration for, and I know he's part of the progressive caucus, but he's from like the labor wing, and he he was stating his admiration for Rashida Tlaib's uh, statements on the floor yesterday. So it really does make a difference. These elections are huge. It's important to to get your lawmakers to stand in solidarity with Palestine. I mean, it's just, it's awful that it hasn't shifted faster, but I think also Netanyahu moving so far right because he needs to, in Israel, has an aligning with Trump, has made it, has, has made APAC something that people should at least openly touch. I mean, there's still plenty of elected officials who are taking APAC money and going to these conferences and meetings. And, and we should shine a light on that. I think that's the other thing. They need to understand that that is not acceptable. There are young elected officials across the country because they've done such a great job uh, seeking them out You know, when they're young. There are so many that go on these trips to Israel with APAC and take the money from them and then you know, when it comes to voting, they su- you know, they support whatever APAC's pushing that, that time. Um, there's a lot of them out there still in Congress that are Democrats. They, because they're younger, are, are gonna feel it in a way that like Nancy Pelosi's not gonna feel it. Hoyer Hoyer's not gonna feel it. But if you're Ruben Gallego in Arizona and you're shamed on the internet for for being in line with APAC or also supporting statehood, I'll give it to you two, Ruben um, they should feel the heat, of course, and they do feel the heat because they want a political future, and we are part of it. Their futures depend on a population of voters that is completely out of line, and and you know what they're going to do? They're going to switch their position just when they need your support, because they got to where they did with the establishment money, with all of these interests, but to move forward, they're going to need younger people's support, because they have, You know stars in their eyes um so i think like finding the right people to to question and pressure um i mean if you're a new york city politician if you're a city council member if you're in city government if you're a public advocate and you've met with apac i think that should be that's a that's an important thing to highlight it's an important thing to highlight uh you know people want support from wherever they can get it and we have to do a better job of saying uh no not happening all right, Ray Lee, do you think that you can expand Fem Friday to add like Women Wednesday? I get enough dudes on the Progressive the other Progressive Love show. Oh my god, that's like in my dream. I would love that. We have a really tough time booking female guests, guys. You know, a lot of women that we ask say like, "Oh, I'm not, a, you know, I'm uh, I don't know if I'm qualified to talk about that. And I'm like, you have a PhD in it. And they're like, but not that one sliver of the issue. And I'm like, I literally could call any man up. And they're like, of course I'll talk about, you know, whatever nuance take you on. Um, so it's tough. I, I would love to. I would love to do a lot more um, with women on, on the show, but I appreciate that. That's a, that's a really great thing to hear. And I do think it's one of our best days. Uh, All right, who do we have in here? Epic Times is SV Harkins. Harkin. Epic Times also targets old folks with aches and pains with supplements and health conspiracies. (laughs) Jay Create says true. And on Facebook, they do cute pet posts to lure in the boomers. What they do? That is so. Of course, they do investigative pieces for me. (laughs) Wow, they have so much money from China, man. Yeah, or not China. The anti-communists. Yeah, They did a piece on me one time. Um, I think it was running. Yeah, it was, it was when I was running for public advocate and it was like, socialist runs for citywide office. I, there was a couple of like right wing papers that uh, that highlighted me and I was like, thank you for the advertisement. <laughs> uh, Ma- Maudie Mouse, thank you for the cheer on Twitch. Appreciate that. Uh, Arthur, I have a question. <laughs> Do you think there's a progressive in Arizona politics that could primary Kristen Cinema? We can only hope, man. I hope so. And I hope she's a fierce Latina. That would be amazing. Uh, and I would fully support her. And um, go, I would go out there and campaign for her. And I would tell all of my family members to switch to Democrats so they could vote in the primary. I would convince my Republican family members one. Well, they voted for Biden. I, uh, they hate Trump, but man, not my immediate family. Let me be very clear. I was raised very differently. All right, Ray Lee says, as long as the New York governor is a neoliberal conservative, do you think who New York City mayor uh, is matters as much? Example: Cuomo de Blasio. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the if, if it's Quo- Quo- here's the thing: Cuomo is in a land of his own. No, yes, he is neoliberal and 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 often conservative. Um, but he is a political monster. He is a monster. So whoever is in that position of mayors, and, and if they're not Michael Bloomberg, essentially, he's going to fight with. De Blasio, the problem is, is he got baited a lot. Uh, sometimes he picked fights. It's, uh, there were so many instances with De Blasio who were just like, you just created this mess for yourself. Why did you do this? Why did you do it? I, I mean, I like him as a person. I had the opportunity to, to shadow him for the day, uh, thanks to you know, his, his press secretary, Eric Phillips. Um, it was a really interesting day and I really enjoyed talking with him and having lunch with him and, and I, it, was, it was, but there were just these things and I'm like, lost opportunity. Now, was he the worst mayor ever? No, and I have to say that over and over, we had Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg and Giuliani, are we kidding? I think the problem is, is that it's just, he doesn't play to the press well. And so many of his fights with Cuomo were through the press. All right, who else do we have here? Uh, Dorsey, if we have our panelists here, you can let me know. Okay, here we go. Uh, Craven James, can you get Andrea from, Andrea from above it all back on again soon? She's been doing great reporting on the protest in Elizabeth city. Uh, Hashtag leftist poggers. Good idea. We will definitely put that word out. Uh, I like Andrea, Andrea. Okay, sect Zed, how many points of contention are on the left wing as opposed to defining standards of the right wing? (laughs) How many points of, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they fall in line. The right wing um, will unify for everything because at the end of the day, they understand that they only get their tax breaks if they do that. The one thing that unifies. the the people in power all right thank you for your questions i'll see if i can throw in some more at the end if i can uh but in the meantime i should really be the the reason why i am now um drinking wine is because i've had a stressful morning uh i got up very early i feel like when i got up it it was just like a very long day um i feel like it was two days ago and so i was like oh i'll have a glass of wine but what i really should have done is i should have smoked some cbd and i didn't and i should have um i didn't because i don't have that with me in, in puerto rico but i'm very excited because uh sunset lake cbd who we love uh is they are uh a, of course a farmer owned company we all know this that ships craft cbd to your door from their farm in vermont they have all types of goods, all types of goods, right? All designed to help with your aches and pains. The dairy, they, you know, their their farm was a Ben and Jerry's dairy farm in Vermont that they decided to shift and uh, grow some premium hemp. And when you support them like CBD, you are supporting a good company that cares about employees and is... You're enhancing agricultural and, and, and rural communities as well. They pay their minimum wage is $15 an hour and employees own the majority of their company and they support progressive uh, media shows. So I want to share something though, because my mom, um, I am not, I, I, I'm, I'm in Puerto Rico. So uh, they mailed, my mom ordered some stuff because she loves Sunset Lake CBD. Wait, hang on, let me see. And she's like, I ordered fudge. And then they sent me two more boxes and a couple of little CBD salves. They're amazing. So I wrote them a really nice review. (laughs) She was just like this through the whole thing. And then she sent me the farmer's roast coffee and she's like, it's from Guatemala. Did they know that you were in Guatemala? Seriously, I'm not joking. My family loves the products. I love the products. Uh, I am a big fan of the salve and the tincture. I put it in my water every night when I go to sleep so I can have a deeper sleep. Um, I have have not eaten the dog biscuits, but I know that Bijou, I think we have an order. I think we have an order in for Bijou to try the dog biscuits, which is great uh, because he likes to eat himself. (laughs) That did not sound right. He likes to eat his tail. This is not one of the best ads that I've done. <laughs> Anyways, love Sunset of Lake CBD. I know Dorsey does too. You want to throw something in there real quick before we go to the uh, uh, our- I just
2: wanted to say the other day, I was talking about uh, the lotion I wanted to try. And I guess the CBD angels heard me because it came just today. So I'll let you know what it's Ooh. like next.
0: Wait, smell. Bunny. what does it smell like? I can't wait to try this.
2: Hmm, smells like smells like when I was young. It reminds me of... Of like, uh, like a rose soap kind of, you know? Oh, like,
0: I like that. Yeah,
2: like. Wait, did... I, I used to smell when I was younger. Anyway, yeah. Oh, okay. It. It's. Uh, I normally
0: like when I think of young jasmine men, I alo. don't think of a good smell. <laughs> I
2: think it's, of... it's jasmine and aloe. So my my smell is Ooh. way off. It's there's there's no rose there, but yeah. Jasmine
0: and, jasmine and aloe.
2: Jasmine and aloe, and it's got four hundred milligrams of CBD. So, can't wait to try that out.
0: Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, awesome. All right, uh, guys, you can go and get a 20% off discount if you go to sunsetlakecbd.com and type in Nomi, N-O-M-I. Go to sunsetlakecbd.com and type in Nomi, and you get 20% off. Woohoo, our panel is here. I am getting really hot. Oh, maybe it's because I'm drinking wine. So I am gonna put on, I'm wearing yoga clothes today, guys, because that's how stressful of a day this was. I didn't get a chance to change. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our Femme Friday. Piper, and Ben, where's Ben? No Ben's allowed here today. What are you doing, Piper? (laughs) Bye-bye, Ben. (laughs) You have been kicked off the island. (laughs) The feminist island that I am going to build someday. Uh, Esperanza Fonseca is here. Thank you. Um, She's a labor and policy organizer. She's a member of a firm which is a transnational feminist organization. Uh, and Piper Winkler is the co-chair of Harvard YDSA. And she is over here at the Nomi Key Show, one of our lovely producers. Lots of news this week, but I, I want to start off the show and we may not even get to everything else. So let's just, let's just start off with uh, Palestine. Big topic here um, that we've been covering all week. Uh, and let's, uh, where are we going to start with the Palestine stuff? What do we have in here? let's just let's just go around the circle and 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 we'll get to that later piper um is this different is this time different i so
1: i've recently i've obviously been watching horrifying clips of the violence that's being perpetrated perpetrated by israelis against the, the people of palestine and One of the things that's caught my eye today is old videos of Joe Biden back from years ago, essentially, talking about how there's no need to apologize for Zionism, that there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I highly, um, highly suggest that people go and seek these out because, of course, I think it really points to the fact that the U.S. is holding the same line that it always has. I'm seeing a lot of senators, a lot of various people around the U.S. government talking now about Basically, the fact that the Palestinians have no right to defend themselves, which I view is deeply, profoundly wrong, given that they're currently facing human rights—just profound human rights abuses. So, I mean, watching the U.S. hold the same line, basically supporting genocide for generations now, and the fact that the person initially pushing that line is now in power, tells me everything I need to know about the role that the U.S. plays, and you know, pretending to be a supporter of democratization and at the same time. Allowing for these mass atrocities to happen.
0: Piper, do you think that the politics is shifting fast enough here? I mean, there is definitely a narrative that has changed, and and, and you know, while Biden and Nancy Pelosi may be taking like you know the, the company line, what showing the company line, uh, it it doesn't seem like you know there's a younger generation where she's I mean, what Rashida Talib did yesterday was so powerful. And I don't know if we can find that clip really fast, Dorsey, if you can, it's okay. But what she did was so powerful on the floor. That would have been unheard of three years ago. Like I can't even, do you think that's what, I mean, maybe
1: I mean, I think thanks to the leadership of people like Rashida Tlaib, who are brave enough to take that stance, which is, of course, the morally correct stance, we're seeing things happen now that we wouldn't have seen perhaps a few years ago without that kind of bold leftist leadership, which, of course, is just a testament to how important that, that kind of leadership is. I mean, certainly, I mean, among my own friends and the people that I know in my own generation, I feel that people are more vocal about this issue about supporting the Palestinians, about calling what's happening in apartheid versus yeah. sort of equivocating and saying that we need some kind of understanding of what's going on on both sides. And I mean, I think it's pretty clear one side is perpetuating violence and the other side is receiving that violence and it should not be. So, I mean, I'm glad that people are, are being more vocal about this as it's happening. Um, but of course, you know, looking at the the top leadership, which is all neoliberal,
0: there's not enough change happening quickly enough. Um, Esperanza, has, I know you're set up now. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, so you could hear me now, right? We're good. Okay, cool. So, you know, just a few things that I wanted to say on this. The first is that um, we need to have a real zero tolerance policy for Zionism. Um, We need to not be afraid of calling it what it is, which is fascism, right. Um, And we also need to recognize that uh, you know, the US, Canada, uh, the EU has historically uh, supported uh, fascism and fascist regimes, Uh, you know, Tyler Shipley, who is a professor who writes about settler colonialism in Canada, you know, he recently tweeted out today that the brief period between 1939 and 1945, when the West fought against fascism was actually the exception and not the rule. And so you see that our countries have supported people like Batista Franco Pinochet etc and so this is nothing new right Um, but I also think that it just shows us that we need to push harder because I think some of us might be here saying oh well what can we do we're not in Gaza we're not in Palestine Mm -hmm. but we're in the center of the imperial core right and we know that Palestinians have said Israel is not their only enemy or oppressor. It's also the world Zionist movement and U.S. imperialism. So we shouldn't be fighting to condition aid to Israel. We should be fighting to remove it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I think additionally, uh, well, maybe we could talk about this later, but I also just wanted to bring up the point about Andrew Yang um, and what he tweeted out in support of Israel.
0: (laughs) It wasn't just him, by the way. There were plenty of others who did very similar things. Um, but I mean, I'm very frustrated by him. But like Eric Adams is 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 very closely aligned with the Orthodox Jewish community in New York. I mean, because th- there's a contingency. I mean, that's really what that's about. Is, is it's about uh, keeping a Brooklyn coalition um, because there's a large Orthodox community, conservative Orthodox community, obviously Orthodox in in Brooklyn, and so. Uh, There are a lot of electives who decide they're going to go centrist and they just unapologetically go centrist because that's the lane they've chosen to be in, in New York. And that's the coalition that they have to put together. And it's grotesque. It's out of touch. Uh, (laughs) I, I'm not running anymore, but I had an opponent who met with APAC and then did an All Lives Matter tweet the other day about who's supposedly progressive, progressive. Anyways, all right, let's shift just for a second because um, this is a very big topic, but uh, I do really want to talk about what's going on with Marjorie Taylor Greene and AOC. Um, sorry, Dorsey, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but they're, <laughs> this, I'm very conflicted about this because uh, I, you know, I was on Fox News today, right? And the reason I bring this up is because Every time you go on Fox News, you get a lot of hate. Or if you go on any cable network, frankly, you're just getting hate. Anytime I mention Andrew Yang, I get hate. It's like it's just it's just what happens. It's it's unfortunate that we have to just like say, oh, it's what happens when you're on the internet. If you're a woman, you get it. If you're on the left, you get it. whatever. But I say this for a reason because I we, the the topic was about racism and um like does racism exist. It's, Literally that was it, <laughs> There's nothing else to it. It was like, does racism exist? And a former Bush official was just like, we ended racism after slavery. Like what on earth am I talking about right now? What on earth is going on? Um, but I got like a barrage of threats including before I even got out of this chair, a text message from somebody who had found my number somewhere on the internet. And I say this because I was thinking to myself We had this conversation about AOC yesterday about whether or not she should have publicly talked about seeking security. And what I thought was they're playing a game where they're making money off of this fight. Let's just be very real. Marjorie Taylor Greene is growing her her audience, her email list, her Trump coalition. Every time she picks a fight with AOC, but then what AOC and the squad get and other leftists out there who support them or or speak out against this fact, they're receiving violence. But when, but Arun Chowdhury said she should have, she, AOC should have not come forward and said, um, I'm getting security as a result because it invites basically more people to come in and unfortunately like potentially, um, you know, threaten her. And I thought about that when I posted this today, but I was like, no, I also think that there are too many people who don't take it seriously. Like there, there are men on the left who are, who who don't think that she's actually, that any of these women um, in the squad are, I mean, imagine what Ilhan Omar goes through on a daily basis. So, I I mean, I'm opening up the question, like, where do you think, how public should we be about what is happening to women on the left um, without putting ourselves at more, ourselves at more risk? Does does that make sense as a question? I'm sort of working through this today in my head. Piper, go ahead. Yeah, I think
1: this is an important question. I mean, it's horrifying to know that AOC has to deal with these threats to her safety, threats to our security. I think it's helpful for her to talk about this and for people to understand what's happening, uh, just in the sense that I often become frustrated with people on the left who conflate having important ideological and political disagreements with AOC and then supporting the threats of physical violence that she gets or the attacks on her character, making her feel basically unsafe in the halls of power. I mean, I personally don't agree with every decision she's ever made, every tweet she's ever tweeted, I wouldn't say, you know, I completely agree. And at the same time, I'm able to say, I don't think that she should have to face these threats of violence or face this kind of direct harassment. I mean, I saw a clip basically of, what she went through with Marjorie Taylor Greene and it's horrifying i think it's very clearly a message to keep socialist women like her out of power and i think it's helpful to understand that she's going through this although again i absolutely wish she weren't just to just to say you know it's unacceptable for people to then politically disagree with her and say well good thing she's going through this or she deserves it because she absolutely does not asprand what are your thoughts
2: yeah i mean One, I think this just goes back to the idea that politics is violent, whether we like it or not. I mean, it simply is. Obviously that's not an excuse for anybody to be getting harassment or death threats. Um, It's unfortunate because I get them all the time simply for speaking out on like issues like the sex trade, get death threats, rape threats, et cetera. But I I do think um, while we should never ever, and like I personally disagree with AOC, I don't believe she's a socialist, but at the same time, I would condemn anyone that would ever send her a death threat, a rape threat, or any of the kind of harassment that she's gone in. But ultimately, I think that when we focus on the harassment that organizers, specifically Um, women and female organizers face, it cannot be focused only on these high-profile celebrity types. I mean, we have to focus on the everyday women that nobody knows their name, that are doing the work in the background, but yet still get so much harassment. Because I think that what we've seen is when we try to do these big cultural campaigns against harassment or sexual assault or threats, for example, like in the Me Too movement, and we focus on these high-profile celebrity types, it never trickles down to the everyday ordinary woman. And so I think if we're going to combat this, it needs to be rooted in the harassment that everyday ordinary female organizers face.
0: I want to just push back on that for one second, because there's, this is horrifying, right? That it has to work, that, that, that when there have been cultural changes specifically, um, or, or not, I mean, there, there have been these like weird coalitions where you got to bring the white ally in and then suddenly the press pays attention. I don't, agree with the principle of that, but we live in a racist, sexist, homophobic world, including our press. And it wasn't until, even though Me Too was started by a Black woman, it wasn't until wealthy white female celebrities spoke up against an extremely powerful, and it also was against a powerful, wealthy white man, and there were enough people at a moment that it broke through. But it has I'm not saying it's perfect. Let me just be very clear. But it has trickled down. Whereas if it were a domestic worker, although Dominique Strauss-Kahn, like, you know, one instance, I guess, is, is. but but, but generally speaking, it has the the normalization of, of, of the harassment and the rape. I mean, I said something at the start of my show, which should have made the news, that Errol Lewis threatened to cut off my microphone on the press. And then when I went to complain to him, he told me to fuck off to my face on a stage. That is a news anchor that everybody respects in New York. The fact that I said that and that didn't get anything, and I've said it multiple times, shows you how hard it is to penetrate the minds of of, of the mainstream press. They don't want to hear it. And so I wish, you know, and, and we've had people on our show. I mean, Piper, you know, we've, we've booked people on our show. It, it's, what is it going to take? It takes so much. It takes so much coalition building to finally get to the point where, the average woman or the average uh, sex worker, their stories are listened to by the press in a way that it actually makes you change or that a lawmaker gets elected who can share the story. I hear you Esperanza. I'm just like, I don't know what the strategy is. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, Feel free to chime in, anybody. Well, I mean,
2: you know, Nomiki, I guess My opinion on this comes from the fact that when the Me Too movement blew up, initially I was very supportive of it, Um, but I was organizing hotels workers. I was organizing restaurant workers. And we had tried to sort of tail the Me Too movement, um, try to organize campaigns to get panic buttons and better policies for housekeepers, um, trying to hold managers accountable for allowing female servers to get harassed and assaulted on the daily. And the reality is, is that it simply didn't catch. And I think that yes, we do live in this sexist, racist society but I don't think that we capitulate to it by believing that we need a white person or a man or whoever uh, to speak for us. I think that ultimately we organize. And if we organize uh, the most exploited, the poorest people and put them in the front, eventually that will break through uh, the wall in media.
1: Yeah, I I think in response, it is essential that we don't concede to thinking that we need to have for example, as Esperanza said, a white man or a white representative at the head of everything. And I think that, you know, it's important reckoning to, oh, and of course that's not what you're saying, no Miki, but I, I do think that, you know, being able to understand that that's even a, a critical goal of the socialist world that we're trying to build is that essentially like by coming together and, and organizing, you know in groups like DSA and other groups where, you know work like what Esperanza is talking about is being done. People are are getting together and are demanding, you know A world beyond the kind of culture war is solely media representation of celebrities, you know, uh, in order to platform the experiences of um, workers, sex workers, uh, low income workers who are demanding uh, an end to, to harassment and things like that. I think you know that's an essential goal of, of what we're trying to do. And it's only maybe by building those mass numbers and saying this small, very narrow representation isn't enough. And that maybe a few of us coming, you know, coming forward and talking about this issue isn't going to be enough. But you know, in large organizations with a specifically socialist or communist understanding of, of the society we want to build, that will be possible. So I think it's going to take a lot of people coming together to that.
0: Well, and that's ultimately why I think labor is is having organized having a radical or organized labor radical. Um, is so important in contrast to a trend that I think a lot of us have seen in like progressive movement where there is like a, and, and and even like the most progressive, listen, Bernie Sanders is surrogates, having celebrities go out there and speak, normalized him and made him, you know, be able to raise more money. And it's, it's, there's, there's different strategies in movement politics. Um, I'm not one, I'm not for one or the other. I'm just, I'm just essentially saying that like, we have a problem and that we're not clear on this and we don't know where, I work for a matriarch and we are it's it's all working class women that we're bringing forward, Amazon workers to run for office, uh, domestic workers to run for office. and and we deal with this. We're hitting our heads against the wall constantly with the press because they just don't care. They're like, has AOC endorsed them? I'm just like. Oh. So maybe this is just a moment where I'm, 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 I'm venting a little bit more. Um, I want to give you guys some love because we've had a lot of really nice comments in the chats. So Gypsy Mama says, hey, Esperanza Piper, the YouTube the YouTube <laughs> sends love. Um, Caleb uh, Buffo Khan says, Esperanza, can you do a shout out to us? Uh, we love her. Oh, oh, me. Okay. Can we do a shout out? We love when you're on the show with Nomi Key, I get it. It was just written a little bit funny. Uh, Mike Wright says, the worst thing is that the few videos to, uh, we see of people harassing AOC, it's just a drop in the bucket of everything she has to deal with. But I think ultimately what Esperanza is saying is it's not just AOC and that's she's just become the icon for it. And But at the same time, people are raising money off of it, normalizing it so that it can, other people can do it to other, lower on the totem pole, all the way down. To, it's normalizing this behavior of, of targeting women who step up and run for office, who, in the name of socialism or not, they're just gonna paint her as a socialist, it doesn't matter if she's, she is or she isn't. And it's and as a result, any other socialist woman who runs, and, and I've experienced this, and others I know have experienced it, receive the same targeting. Any socialists that run for 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 any office or get involved in the community. It's starting to happen where they're getting targeted in a more aggressive way. So you're right, Espresso, like we have to stand in solidarity with each other, but we also have to normalize. That this is this is just a major example of and it's a precedent that's being set, I believe, for behaviors that are gonna happen all the way down. Do you guys have final thoughts before we wrap up? I'm sorry, guys, we have to uh, leave a little bit earlier today. Esperanza.
2: Yeah, I just want to take it back to, uh, you know, the movement for uh, Palestinian liberation and just say that, like, um, this just really shows, and I know I say this every time, uh, but it shows like the need for us to get organized because just simply tweeting about it, simply having the right thoughts about it isn't enough. If we organize ourselves, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, we unionize our workplaces, then we will have an organized vehicle that we could use to fight back against Uh, genocide and ethnic cleansing against Palestinian people right now and then just lastly about Andrew Yang because I just have to say it but like none of us should be surprised that this man um, supported uh, you know is supporting the ethnic cleansing of Palestinian people and I don't just think it's because he's wrong on so many things but I think it goes to show you that he pretends that he's pushing this capitalism with a human face idea but it's not capitalism with a human face it's the same old imperialism that relies on ethnic cleansing, on settler colonialism, on dis, you know, dispossession of people's lands, their homes, their lives. Um, and this should be the final straw for us to see right through Andrew Yang exactly who he really
1: is. I mean, first of all, my main final thought is that it's always such a pleasure to be on the show and especially with Esperanza. So thanks so much for having me on. But I mean, secondly, on the topic of media representation and on the topic as well of the genocide currently happening in Palestine, look at how it's been represented in the media. I mean, if you I think one of the most interesting things is following the Twitter account, The Great Lady, which shows how they change their um, they change, their headlines and a headline will go from actually recognizing the fact that Palestinians are being murdered and terrorized to saying, They've, they're, it basically makes it out that they're mysteriously dying, which is an incredibly nefarious, powerful thing that the New York Times is doing. Um, and that, first of all, it points out the power of, um, of independent media and how important shows like the Nomiki Show are. So thanks for having me on, Nomi, but i Okay, will okay. di- <laughs> Yeah, it's disheartening to me to see that I have to go onto Twitter to see, for example, like Esperanza is saying, to see working class women in Palestine
0: talking about their
1: experience there.
0: It's, it's yeah. And, and like, and this is after Twitter's like screwed with the algorithm a little bit. Sorry, my microphone was down here. Um, no, I mean, think about like all the stuff that we're missing on top of it. remember when the Arab spring launched and, and, and these, this is when these platforms were, were, um, at least Twitter in in particular, uh, and Facebook, I guess too. Like this is, it's, can you imagine Palestinians being able to share more of it? I mean, if, if the, the platforms weren't controlling the way media was being dispersed, Can you imagine what we'd be seeing? And right now we're seeing, like finally it's breaking through. And like the Washington Post was like, oh, uh, Israel posted a video from three years ago. We just figured that one out. All right, you guys are amazing. I love having you on. Espronzo, you're amazing. I just saw you in the chat. We love having you on. And Piper, of course, we love having you on. So please, more of confrontation. I love spice. I love debate. I love it. Like, Let's talk over each other. That's the way this rolls. Don't hold back ever, ever on our show, ever. We had a conservative on yesterday. I was like, let's fight. Let's just do this. Um, All right, everybody, we love you. uh, And okay, any more? I don't think we have. Oh, uh, let's give a shout out to The Revolution Podcast on YouTube. Thank you so much for joining us. Go check them out, The Revolution Podcast. And to everybody else, all of our moderators, everybody on Twitch and YouTube, very grateful to you. Uh, We got to run really fast because uh, we got another thing right after this, but thank you to everyone. We will see you on Tuesday. Make sure to check out the committee show at 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. On Monday, go check it out. They're doing an incredible job. It's like, I'm like, this is a new type of show. It's really breaking the mold. So if you have a chance, go check it out um, on on YouTube and Twitch, the committee show, on our channel, though, on our channel. So Mondays, 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. We will see you soon. Stay in solidarity we